Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Kevin Miller writes the following. As a kid, Saturday mornings were chore day. Often my dad would say, come on, let's go, and I'd hop in the back of the station wagon, and we'd drive down the street to Hooper Wolf's hardware store. Hooper Wolf's had an old wood door painted white except where the paint was worn off near the handle. You walked in, and you could hardly move. There were two narrow aisles. The counters were filled with merchandise. Shelves were overflowing. Stuff was hanging from the ceiling. You'd think, no way am I going to find anything in here. But you didn't need to. As soon as you walked in, Clarence from behind the counter would say, help you today? My dad would say something like, I want to hang a light out back. Clarence would come out from behind the counter and ask questions. Where are you going to hang it? Over the patio? Well, and then he'd start rummaging through the shelves until he pulled off just the right light. He'd say, you want a light like this. And don't use these bolts here. They're good for indoor stuff. But for outdoor, you want something galvanized. Your wall is brick, isn't it? Clarence asked. Well, to run the conduit through there, you want a masonry drill bit of at least half an inch. If you don't have that in stock, you can get one over at Miller's Lumberyard. And Clarence would pull a flat carpenter's pencil off his ear, get out a little piece of paper, sketch it all out. The conduit goes here. Make sure you don't mount the light too close to the soffit. Today, when I have a project on Saturday, I head to Home Depot. Unlike Hooper Wolf's, where you had to parallel park on the street, there's an ocean of parking. And inside, Home Depot is huge. The ceilings are 30 feet high. Home Depot has 40 times the inventory of Hooper Wolf's. It all looks great under bright argon lights. There's a guy in an orange apron a block away. If you run him down, he's likely to say, sorry, I usually work in paints. I'm just covering in electrical because someone called in sick. So you're pretty much on your own in stores like this. A similar thing has happened in the American church. We have huge megachurches with programs that are amazing with Disney-level quality and technological sophistication. But there's a disconnect, and you feel like you're on your own sometimes. But something's missing. Guys like Clarence. We all need a Clarence, someone who knows us, who cares, and knows more than we do, and will happily guide us to grow in Christ. Throughout the Bible, this is the way faith has been passed on. Moses trained Joshua how to lead. Eli trained Samuel. Christ trained the twelve apostles. Timothy's grandmother, Lois, trained up her daughter, Eunice, who both trained their grandson and son, Timothy. When it comes to helping people grow into spiritual maturity, the Bible gives us the Clarence Principle. The personal touch of the older teaching the younger and those more mature in the faith guiding those who are newer in the faith. And this is what Titus is instructing us about here, of the need for the church to personally minister to one another and help each other, be a good example to each other, so that the church will be a consistent witness in sound doctrine 
and to the power of the gospel. Titus chapter 2 and verse 1 says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Paul separates this section of his letter from the previous section with a strong contrast as he says, But speak thou, or but as for you, Titus, in contrast to the lies, the deception, the false teachings that were being spread in Crete, Titus was to speak the things which become truth and sound doctrine. Titus needed to teach the church sound doctrine, and they needed to know the type of behavior that is fitting and in accordance with sound doctrine and true godliness. Paul uses the term sound five times in Titus. We get our word hygiene from the original Greek word translated as sound. It refers to that which is healthy and wholesome. So we learn by that that there is both healthy doctrine and instruction and there is unhealthy doctrine out there. Speaking of the things that become sound doctrine pertain to truths, attitudes, and actions that correspond to and are based on God's word rightly divided, which are in accord with God's instructions given to and through the Apostle Paul for the church today. Sound doctrine is the basis for sound character. God's people need to know and be grounded in sound doctrine because God's sound, healthy, grace, truth for today is what leads to a spiritually sound, healthy, vibrant, growing Christian life and a life that is transformed by grace. A godly character in life is built upon the bedrock of sound doctrine found within God's Word and our knowledge, faith, and obedience to it. As Titus spoke and shared the things that are becoming of sound doctrine with the church, Paul outlines the instruction for the church by different age categories and how the truth and sound doctrine is to be transmitted within the church. He has the age categories of older men in verse 2, older women in verse 3, younger women in verses 4 and 5, and younger men in verse 6. And Paul's instruction here shows how a church needs to minister to all age groups and all the age groups should minister to each other. Verse 2 reads that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. Billy Graham once wrote, Old is authentic. Old is genuine. Old is valuable. Some say old is even beautiful. The older generation may have a hard time keeping up with the younger generation, but let's remember that as long as we are still breathing, we are leading the way. The generations that follow are learning about growing old from us. Are we good examples? While we have all made mistakes and would like to turn back the clock to correct some things, we know that this is not possible. But the lessons we have learned from our successes and failures can help those following behind. The impact we can potentially have on them can be powerful. Being good examples is what Paul's instruction here is for the older men. He desired that the church find worthy examples to follow in the character of older men. One of the strongest forces for spiritual ministry in the church lies within the older believer, who have the experience of years that the church needs to learn from. Senior saints who pray, who teach, who visit, who troubleshoot, who counsel and help and build up the church are greatly needed. 
We see in these verses how they are strategic in the spiritual maturity of the church by their example of soberness, seriousness, self-control, soundness in the faith, and in their love and patience. God can and God will use our life at whatever stage of life we're at, and He wants each of us to finish our course. True stories told of an 86-year-old man named Charlie Riggs who twice a week drives his old tan Buick to a local prison, and he does a Bible study with prisoners. He was once asked, Don't you think you're kind of old to be doing what you're doing? Don't you ever feel afraid to walk into the prison by yourself? And Riggs said, I won't lie. Sometimes I get scared right before I go into the prison. But I can't remember a time after leaving the prison that the tears didn't flow. The presence of the Lord is so real whenever I step out on faith to do something for Him. I retired from my job 10 years ago, he said, but I have no intention of retiring from my service to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul calls for older men to cultivate in their lives six qualities here as examples to others within the church. Sober speaks of keeping things in balance, within limits, avoiding overindulgence in any area. It speaks of being vigilant, sensible, steady, not given to foolish talk or conduct. Older men are to demonstrate spiritual maturity to the church. Grave does not suggest a solemn, gloomy person who never smiles or laughs or has fun to being grumpy old men. There's to be joy in the Christian life. But grave does speak of the need to be serious and not just lighthearted and carefree about ministry. Realizing the seriousness of life and ministry and people's spiritual needs are important for the Christian life, and older men are to be an example of graveness to the church for this. Grave also, the word also speaks of being honorable. It implies the dignity befitting elder brethren that in turn produces respect among the church members. Out of that respect, the church should listen carefully when they speak and take heed because of their experience and wisdom of years. Job 12, verses 12 to 13 says, With the aged is wisdom, and in length of days understanding. With him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. Older men are to be temperate, demonstrating self-control in their life and in the church, being moderate, prudent, and disciplined. They are to be sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Sound in faith, love, and patience all go together here, in a little group here. The church needs the example of older men who are sound in the faith, who know the Word, who live by the Word, who stand for the Word, are faithful to it, and pass it on. Being grounded in the faith, and sound doctrine leads to living the faith. And here we see that being sound in the faith in turn produces and leads to being sound in charity, sound in the love of God, showing God's selfless love and kindness to others. And being sound in the faith leads to being sound in patience as the Word gives us the strength, the hope, the patient endurance for the trials of life and for dealing with trying people sometimes. The spiritually mature, aged man has learned how to patiently ride out the storms of life, both expecting and accepting trials when they come, and not losing heart, but finding their strength and patience in God and in their faith in trusting Him. 
As the church sees this kind of godly example in the aged men, it will strengthen all of us and encourage the church to grow in Christ and to emulate their faith in Him. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Two Minutes with the Bible, a daily devotional, is a paperback, 366-page book written by Cornelius R. Stamm. Two Minutes with the Bible is a timeless classic that our beloved founder, C.R. Stamm, compiled from newspaper articles he had written for various publications. We at the Berean Bible Society are firm believers in the importance of daily devotions to further spiritual growth. What better way to show our appreciation for all of God's bountiful blessings than by spending time with an open Bible and this daily devotional? May God use this work to bring you to a deeper understanding of the riches of His grace in Christ Jesus. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Titus chapter 2, verse 3 says, The aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. As the older men are to be examples to the church, so too, likewise, Paul says, are the older women. Now, we can safely interpret older women in the relative sense here that godly women of any age should teach women who are younger than themselves. Paul says that their behavior should be as becometh holiness. They are to be holy in the way they live. Holiness speaks of living a life set apart to the Lord. Living a life uh, that becometh holiness means that by her conduct, she demonstrates that she belongs to God and that her life has been reserved for His worship and use. Uh, Setting apart her life to live for the Lord, to know the Lord, to be close to the Lord. They know God, they believe in Him and live a faith-filled life. An example of a woman like this is in Luke chapter 2, where we read about Anna, who is 84 years old. It is said of her that she never left the temple because she was committed to the Lord to serve Him through prayer night and day, the Word of God says. That kind of faith and that kind of devotion can be contagious to the rest of the church. And this kind of woman is to be highly respected in the church for her reverence and love for the Lord and her faith in Him. The aged women are instructed to be careful with words and to not be false accusers. The term false accuser speaks of having a story to share about someone, but it's a story which never elevates the person's reputation or character in the minds of others. Aged women are also to be not given too much wine, or literally not enslaved to alcohol. 
They are to avoid any kind of addiction or be in bondage to something that leads one away from their relationship with the Lord. Their behavior is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, not by alcohol or any kind of harmful addiction. In contrast to these two negative commands about not good things, older women are then taught to be teachers of good things. Teachers of good things with their lives is the idea. Younger women learn and are taught good things by the example of the older women of how to live the Christian life. The thought here is that older women exemplify the virtues that they teach to the younger women, the virtues that we find in the Word of God, and then that by their good teaching behavior, they instruct others. And their own examples of godliness and doing what is good in God's sight give older women the right and credibility to teach the younger women of the church. Titus 2 verse 4 says that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. God's Word teaches us here that godly older women have the responsibility of teaching the younger women about being a wife and a mother. God desires and His purpose for older women in the church is for them to pour themselves into someone who is younger and to teach them. Older women have an important strategic role in shaping, growing, encouraging, and outfitting younger women for life's journey. And they should teach the young women to be sober, again meaning wise and sensible, And this is in accordance with the Word of God, where we learn how to be wise and level-headed and sensible in life. So the Word needs to be taught in order to understand how and what it means to be wise and sensible in life. The instruction for young married women starts with the home. And we see that in the home, the greatest priority is love. Love is learned, and a young wife needs to be taught how to love their husbands. This kind of teaching comes better from someone who knows how hard it is to do. Loving husbands can be a challenge. Love is about selflessness. And in the marriage, the wife is to put the husband first and his needs and his good first. And vice versa, the husband is to do the same with the wife. This isn't easily learned because we all have an old nature within us that wants to put ourself first. But it's been rightly said that the day you said I do, you chose your love. Since then, you have been learning to love your choice. Training younger women about how to love husbands is teaching that love is an unconditional, permanent commitment to an imperfect person. The older women are to teach a young mother how to love their children. It's not easy to be a young mom with kids. That's, that's why it's essential that older women provide some practical training, advice, and counsel in this area from someone who's been there and done that and faced the same struggles and, and experienced the exhaustion that being a mother brings. Now, a mother more normally naturally loves her children, but this love needs to be learned as well with, again, the selflessness that being a parent uh, requires. An example of learning to love their children is mothers who say today that they love their children too much to discipline them. That kind of mother needs to be taught how to love their children. In reality, that kind of thought is a selfish thought. 
It's not looking out for the child's highest good for their life, which love does. Discipline is what's best for children in their growth, development, character, and facing life in this world. The training by an older woman can warn and enlighten and help younger mothers so they will know what's best for their children. And in teaching love for their children, they need to be taught of the vital importance of looking out for their children's spiritual well-being. The highest act of love for a parent is to lead their child to Christ and into a relationship with the Lord through faith, prayer, and the learning of the Word of God. Titus 2.5 says to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God be not blasphemed. The younger women are also to be taught to be discreet, which is the exact same Greek word as temperate in verse 2 when it talks about instruction for older men. So again, this speaks of demonstrating self-control, being moderate, steady, prudent, disciplined. They are to be taught to be chaste or pure, being true and faithful to her husband in mind, heart, and action. They are to be taught to be keepers at home, This does not suggest that a a young mother's home is her prison where she must be kept. Caring for the home is the idea. Keepers at home does not prohibit women from working outside the home. As uh, Proverbs 31 woman spent a fair amount of time outside the home working. Paul isn't talking so much about the place as he is the responsibility. And he is stressing that a married woman's primary responsibility is to her, to her home and family. And older women are to impress upon the younger women the high honor it is of serving the Lord in the home as a wife and mother in the incredible deep impact she can have for Christ and for her family when she makes her home her priority. By their example and instruction, older women are to teach the younger How to be good, verse 5 says, or kind and generous is the idea. This can manifest itself in countless ways within the home, the church, and the community, demonstrating the goodness and kindness of God through your life and good works. They are to be taught to be obedient to their own husbands. The word obedient is the same word as submit in Ephesians 5.22, where it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. God's order for the home is that as Christ is the head of the church, the husband is the head of the home and the woman. And as the church willingly places itself under Christ's headship, the wife is to willingly place herself under her husband's headship. Submission simply has to do with order and responsibility within the home. The husband and wife, they belong to each other in equality. He has no superiority and she has no inferiority. The wife is not to be treated as beneath the husband, but as an equal whom God has given the husband care and responsibility, and the wife is to place herself under his loving care. And these instructions are for the harmony of the home according to God's will. And all of these instructions are given that the word of God Be not blasphemed, verse 5 says. Godly conduct eliminates reproach on God's word. The lost need to see people who live what they believe. When believers claim to believe the Bible, but do not obey it, the word is dishonored. 
and many over the years have mocked God and His truth because of the behavior of those who claim to be believers. And unbelievers may not obey God and they don't obey His Word, but they understand the important link between belief and behavior among believers, and they expect the two to match. And if they don't, they're quick to point it out. As someone once said, show me your redeemed life, and I might be inclined to believe in your Redeemer. When sound doctrine and godly behavior match, it bears witness to the transforming power of the gospel and of the Word of God. Titus chapter 2, verse 6, Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Last but certainly not least, the younger men. It's interesting that Paul spells out all of these qualities for older women, for older women and younger women. And then when he comes to younger men, he just gives one. Be sober-minded. It most likely means that this one quality for younger men is so important that the other things will take care of themselves if this one is fully embraced. Or it could be that men have trouble remembering, so we get one clear instruction so we won't forget. Sober-minded speaks of being self-controlled. Younger men tend to be impetuous and unrestrained in conduct, indulgent sometimes and impulsive. Paul says, in effect, that Titus needed to help younger men learn how to apply the brakes to life. Titus was to exhort, encourage younger men, urge them to control, to be under control by the Holy Spirit. This exhorting is done through the teaching of the Word of God. As we yield to the Word and obey it, and we allow the Holy Spirit to control our minds and hearts, we will not be led by the flesh, and we will be sober-minded. Titus was to help younger men understand how to govern, bridle, control, master impulses, and often their restless energy, and teach them to be controlled by Christ and the Word of God. All of this instruction is given so that the church might be sound in doctrine and sound in behavior, so that the church will love and care for one another and invest themselves in each other, and so that the church will be a bright light to the unbelieving, showing that we are consistent with what we believe and what we live. And God uses godly examples in the help and teaching we personally receive from others in the church to help us be transformed by grace. Thank you for watching this episode of Transformed by Grace. The Berean Bible Society was founded over 75 years ago for the sole purpose of helping believers understand and enjoy the Word of God. Our organization holds without apology to all the fundamentals of the Christian faith, and we believe that salvation is by grace through faith alone, based on the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also emphasize the importance of rightly dividing the Word of Truth and understanding God's Word in light of the Pauline revelation for today. Paul is the Apostle of the Gentiles, and it is our firm conviction that in his epistles alone, we have the doctrine, position, walk, and destiny for the Church of the Body of Christ during the present dispensation of grace. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society 
is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.BereanBibleSociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.